scripture reading for this morning is from Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, and Psalm 19. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the sun. It is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of its warmth. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. By them your servant is warned. In keeping them there is great reward. But who can discern their own errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Word of the Lord. Well, good morning. So good to see you this morning. And, uh, you know, it's such a privilege to come and, and be here with you because it's after Christmas. And what's been on my heart is, what do we do with the baby in the manger after Christmas? You know, we've celebrated Christ coming, looking forward to his return. But what happened to this little infant baby that night as his parents moved on from there? that stable, that barn, wherever they were during that time in that humble birth, what happened to him as he began to grow? Because the Bible suggests that he began to grow in favor of God and with man. So what was Jesus' life like? What did he hold on to? I imagine the same things that we need to hold on to, right? God's prevailing word. That's what we want to look at today. But first, let me say a word of prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, I thank you for allowing your servant uh, to serve and to be used by you. God, we need you this morning. We're weak. Uh, People are suffering from illness. And God, we need something that goes deep within our hearts that will change us, Father, from the inside out. That will revive us indeed and that we will be radiant like you. So help us during this time, Father, to receive your word, our rock and our redeemer. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, I didn't introduce myself. I'm Yancey, one of the the pastors here. And as I said, it's a privilege to open God's word, to talk about the word 
this morning. You know, you ever heard of uh, this idea of a message in a bottle, right? You get a bottle, you put a little message in it, you cast it out to sea, and, you know, of course, in the movies, the, the bottle gets to the other side. Or, or a raven or a bird, you know, that people cast out with a little note on them to, to get a message somewhere. I always wonder, how do they know where to go? Who do they know, uh, you know, where do they go with the message and how do they know the person they need to take it to? But God is someone who has brought us his word indeed, has he not? Because he has created us, his humanity, to be recipients of the very words of God. But you know, as we receive God's word as a fallen people, we don't know what to do with God's word. We have our ways of, about us, ways of thinking, ways of being. There are things that come up in our minds that we know we're to do, but we always fall short of what God intended for us to live out. We always fall short of his intended word for us. And that leads to disobedience to what God intends for us. And the writer of Hebrews here, in Hebrews chapter 4, he recounts a story for us, a story of God's people. As God brought his people out of the bondage of slavery, out of Egypt, God saves his people and brings them to himself, and he gives them his word. God speaks to his people himself. Though he did speak through Moses, but God came down on a mountain and spoke out of the cloud to his people. It was so terrifying that the people said, no, God, I, uh, no, Moses, you speak to us. We don't want to hear the thunder voice of the Lord. They were quivering and shaking. And God began to tell them, hey, I'm going to lead you into the promised land. But the people doubted in their hearts. They doubted that they can go up. And take the promised land. Really, they were doubting what God would do through them. They doubted his promise. And the writer of Hebrews said they hardened their hearts. They didn't listen to the word of God. And then later on, uh, David writes in Psalm 95, If you hear the word of the Lord, do not harden your hearts like they did in the wilderness. And so the writer of Hebrews lets us know that God has, he still extends his rest to all people. He still invites us to come and be recipients of his word. And God has done something even greater than that as we just celebrated. He sent his own son. He sent Jesus in the form of a, of a baby, the very word of God. The word made flesh came to us on Christmas morning. And the word made flesh was a, just a little infant, just a little toddler, You've seen toddlers run around, haven't you? But, you know, sometimes they get into some things and they don't know how to listen to their parents' words. They have to learn. They have to grow. But think about a toddler who was sinless. What was that toddler like? Think about a little boy who began to grow up in the culture of the Jews, the Hebrews, Think about the words that he, he began to hear coming from the word of God. This little one, this Jesus, was able to absorb all of the words of God and to remember what God says. And that's what it means for us, isn't it? To be man, to remember what God says and begin to move. And Jesus began to do that in his life. So much so that we begin to see 
this, the scriptures unfold and tell us about a 12-year-old boy when his parents went up to Jerusalem for the Passover. There he was in the synagogue, in a place of worship, sitting at the feet of the elders, asking questions, learning, speaking about the words of God. And they were amazed and astonished by this one who was endowed with knowledge. Again, growing in the favor of the people and favor of God. And Jesus began to hold on to God's word. And at some point, he must have known that these are the very words that are about me. But yet and still, Jesus began to live humbly, listening, obeying the word of God. And so the writer of Hebrews opens that up up for us and saying, you too can listen. You too can obey because people of God, if God is coming to your life, if he's unfolded the scriptures to you, if he's opened your eyes to his word and you profess Christ, you belong to God. You are a son or daughter of God through Jesus Christ. And, And so the warning is so fitting, right? So if we have received the word, do not harden your heart, but move with confidence in the hope that you have in this one, Christ, the word made flesh. And so we want to we take a look at a couple of things from our text today. You know, as we think about, yes, how do we move and, and obey God? Why should we do this? Well, first of all, the, the, the text us to know that, that Jesus is the living word. Not only that, Jesus is the compelling word, and also Jesus Christ is the exposing word. We see here in verse 4, uh, Hebrews 4, 12, Jesus being the living word. The word of God is living and act- active, sharper than any double-edged sword. He's, he's a living word. He embodies God's word. And we see that throughout his, his life, that when he began to set out and to speak about the kingdom of God being at hand, that Jesus not only preached the word, but he lived it. His life was marked by the humility of God, that you can look and see that there was nothing attractive about him in worldly standards, as the text say. But, but this one Jesus, as you begin to see his life, you're drawn to him. And you are astonished that it, there's, there's nothing really special or dazzling about him. But this is someone who is indeed honest. This is someone who is indeed merciful. This is someone who would take a risk and touch someone who is unworthy to be touched, like a leper, like someone who is unclean like someone who's marginalized, this Jesus would move in to be with this one, this lady who who was a a lady about the town, if you will. He would allow her to anoint his head and his feet. Jesus would be touched by the untouchable. Why? Because he's the living word. He brings the very intention of God's word and what God intended for it for us to have, for us to live, for us to see in his word. And, you know, we see the teachers of the law during the times of Jesus. They are, they, are, they are spending their time trying to look into the words of God, thinking that by, the, by their words only that they would have life. Jesus said, these words about me, the living word, 
yet you refuse to come to me to have life. Because not only is Jesus the, 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 the living word, but we see here that it's, it's active. It's like yeast and bread, right? It's the active substance that allowed the bread to grow. And so Jesus is the, is the gospel himself, the core of the gospel. When you take him in, you will have to be active and move in light of God's word. There's no sitting still. You know, like Zerubbabel said, you know, the word of God is in my bone. It's like a fire, you know. I, you, you just can't hold it in. And so we are active. We are supposed to be active in living out this word as Jesus did. Because this is the cutting word of God. It's sharp. It comes down in our souls. It doesn't just stop on the outside, but it is, it's convicting and no wonder we want to stay away from the words of God, right? Have you ever been in a prayer time, in your prayer closet, and you, and you know that, hey, God is impressing it upon your heart to pray. And you come to this prayer time and you begin to pray. And there are some things that you hold back from God in your heart. Why do we do that? Why do we hold back certain areas in our life from God? It's because the word is cutting. The truth is cutting. Sometimes we can't bear it. It's so cutting to us. And so, and so we, we recognize there, there is something in God's word that, is, that doesn't hold back. But God uses his word for his intended purposes. And they do not return to him void. Because God's word is his decrees. That his powerful decrees of making things happen within the world. It, his decrees cause things to come into being. They're an official order from God himself. He gave the order, the decree, to make all things, to make the heavens, to make the earth, to bring forth the flowers, to bring forth creation. And this creation is singing of the glory of God as it was intended to do, to bring glory to his name, not returning void because his word had gone out into all creation to do so. And God speaks at times throughout scripture directly to his people, doesn't he? He comes to Adam. He said, hey, this is one tree you should not eat of. He comes directly to Abraham the friend of God. God comes directly to the children of Israel on Mount Sinai, and he speaks directly to the people who were at Jesus' baptism. This is my son with whom I am well pleased. And God not only speaks in that way directly to humans, but God speaks through human beings as well. He puts the words on their lips. He cleansed the lips of Isaiah so that God's word can come forth to his people. God speaks through Moses. He uses him as the mediator. God speaks through you, people of God, if you have the very words of God within you, bounded by the spirit of God, so that the words may not return to God void. And lastly, God has spoken through his son. God speaks through the written word of Jesus Christ. So he speaks to us and he is, he is giving us a copy of his word. 
And it, it is closed because the church over time has recognized that these are the very words of God, the testimony about what he's up to in the world and the testimony about his son who was to come. And so, yes, God has spoken to his people over time through the many prophets of old. Has he not? And lastly, he speaks through his son, the one that is sent to be exactly like God. If you want to see God, see Jesus. You will see the Father. If you want to know the way to the Father, see Jesus. He is the way. The word is bond. It says it in Holy Scripture. And those who have spiritual eyes to see, you will see and you will testify that these are indeed the very words of God. I was just in a conversation with someone the other day about what I believe and they were telling me that they, were, they think that there are many ways to get to God through all the religions in the world. And, you know, I, I did tell them, I said, at one time, I did believe that. Even though I had not even read uh, any of the other scriptures from those religions, I did at one time believe that. Because in my limited faculty, I thought, sure, everybody can get to God. But when I began to open up these scriptures... It was like scales that fell off my eyes. God gave me ability to see by his spirit what he is indeed up to. That no, the, the only living word of God is through Jesus Christ, his son. That he is the only way that we can get to God. And that it wasn't by my choosing him, but he chose me. What wonder of wonders. My words are limited. My activity is limited. I cannot get to God. I am fallen. I am not perfect. But there is one who is and who died for our sins so that we can know the very voice of God, that we would know the delight of God. It's all written here within his word, the entire story about Jesus Christ, and it fits together perfectly. Throughout time, there have been many writers, but throughout time, the church has recognized it. Do you recognize this today, that Jesus Christ is indeed the word to come and that he is the word to return to us? And so we see here the living word, that he is on the move to do God's bidding, that he is the only one who was able to obey and fulfill the very words of Scripture. We are in him if you are in Christ. We are in this one, this word. And so the word of God is indeed a living word. And so what are we to do with it? We are to renew our minds. Come under the study of Jesus Christ. Learn from him. Not giving up praying and learning new things about him from his word not being ashamed of the scripture as it exposes us and allows us to see God, but to come under him humbly, willingly, swallowing the word deep down within your soul so that you are able to move like Jesus and his ways. So the word of God is indeed a living word. The word of God, the Jesus, is the compelling word as well. You know, it says it here, it, you know, th- this word penetrates even to 
dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. It compels us to the deepest depths of our souls. It compels us not just in our soul, but in our bodies as well. Haven't you been in a, in a place of worship like today, perhaps? You know, you, you made up in your mind, the people here, they don't raise their hands. I've been in a church like that before, and maybe you have. They don't raise their hands. They don't move to the beat of the Spirit, and that's okay. Maybe they're bobbing their heads or something like that. But have you been in a place where you couldn't help but to put your hands up? Throw your hands up. There's just something that came up within you that set your heart to praise. The word penetrates deeply to a place in your soul to where you have to respond to it one way or another. Respond by being drawn near because your body, something has just taken over your body and you are drawn to it. You responded to the words in your, in your thoughts, in your attitude. You began to see your, your story of how you came to Christ, and, and you began to look 10 years ago. I, I didn't believe these things. I, I wasn't that type of man. But now, as you have come under this compelling word, which is based in God's love for you, you begin to see, yes, it has penetrated to the depths of my soul. It has changed my mind about things that I never thought I would change my mind on. It has broken vows that I've made long ago when I got hurt by a family member. It has broken that vow and allowed me to love others. It's a compelling word. It's a compelling love, penetrating, piercing through his love into the very fiber of your beings. And this word, it brings healing as well. Haven't you been sick before? I've known people who've been sick, and the elders or family members have laid hands on them, and the doctor come back in and say, I, I can't explain it. I don't know what happened. It, there, it, what was there is not gone. And the only thing that you can say is God did it. God has pierced through. God has taken something out. God has changed that person's body. But see, even deeper than that, God's compelling word is able to change the darkest of the darkest soul. Do you know that you were born into iniquity? Do you know that you were born into darkness? All of us are fallen in Adam and we need a savior. Do you know that this word is the light of life that's, that comes to shine within every fiber of your being to change you, to make you more like Jesus? This is the word of God. This is, what, this is why it's meant to penetrate within your thought life, your attitude, because God, want, he's serious about making you more like Christ. So this word judge here is assess. The word assesses us to see that we are in line with the very will of God. That our own personality and psychology is bent towards him. And if you've taken the Enneagram, you know that, hey, you're kind of different from maybe your friend or some other people in your life. Those two are helpful. But, you know, the motivation underneath it all has to be the compelling word, the love of God, to move you 
away from the temptations that you may have to just be your own man, to be God's man, to assess your thoughts and the attitudes of your heart, to see if they're like Christ, to bring you into the humility of God as he intends for you to be a servant unto him, that you may be the compelling word, the letter of God out there being read by other people so that people can look and see that they used to be like this. They're different now. What happened to you? I can look and see that you are more joyful even though you've had some suffering. I can look and see that the things that used to bother you are no longer an issue. I can look and see that the besetting sin and the thing that you once struggled with is no more. You've moved away from it. It doesn't have the same power because the compelling word has a grasp on you and will not let you go. That's the word of God. That's the love of God for you. And you know, uh, a hymn writer, he, he was Russell Kelso, I'm blanking on his last name, but Carter was his last name. But he, he was sick throughout his life. He, he had to move to different geographical areas because he was so sick. And then those in his family began to suffer sicknesses as well. And, you know, that turmoil led him to write some of the most beautiful hymns. And he was a minister of the word as well. And, you know, in light of the compelling word, he had to look to the promises of God over and over again through his suffering. And he wrote a hymn, Standing on the Promises of God. Standing on the promises of Christ my King. Through eternal ages, let his praises ring. Glory in the highest, I will shout and sing. Standing on the promises of God. Standing on the promises that cannot fail. When the howling storms of doubt and fear assail. By the living word of God, I shall prevail. Standing on the promises of of God, standing on the promises of Christ the Lord, bound to him eternally by love's strong cord, overcoming daily with the spirit's sword, standing on the promises of God, standing on the promises I cannot fall, listening every moment to the spirit's call, resting in my Savior as my all in all, standing in the promises of God. You don't get to this place unless you're indeed looking to the hope that is your salvation, which is Jesus Christ. You don't get to this place unless you have been humbled to a place where you can only see the one compelling love of your life. And that's Jesus Christ himself. Will we all ring out and sing songs such as this so that people may know, so that we may be assured ourselves that God still calls us to have the confidence to approach his throne of grace. This is the compelling word of God, Jesus Christ himself. And not only the compelling word, and not only the living word, but the exposing word of God. Jesus is the exposing word of God. Verse 13, and no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked, laid bare, and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. This right here, this statement should be staggering for all of us. 
No one is hidden from the sight of God. You can run all over this earth. You can go to Mars. You cannot hide from God. There is nowhere you can go to be out of the gaze of God, the one who created you. The one who says, I know the very hairs of your head. He knows every cell in your body. God knows your, he knows all in all there is about you, past, present, and future. Nothing is hidden from his sight. But we are all laid bare. We're uncovered by him. So we're not only hidden, but when we want to hide, God comes and sheds his light. He brings his own presence, and that is enough. To put us in a place where we will be like Peter when Jesus uh, caught the, all the fish for him. And he said, like, Lord, please leave. Get away from me. Have you been there? But you've been so exposed by God that you have wanted to just move further and further away from him. Beloved, let me tell you, if you have been exposed by God and you're not crushed, and his wrath has not obliterated you, that's a good thing. That's mercy. If you are in the face of God and you do see your imperfection, that's grace. He's compelling you to come, to be uncovered, and to be laid bare before him because he is your covering. He will do it. He will come and confront us. He will disturb our security. But God will be gentle. He will be lowly in heart to come to you and to sit with you, to be with you. And so we must give an account to this one. But thanks be to God that we have one who has paid the account for us. Jesus Christ is this one who was indeed exposed by the world as a criminal, they say, on the cross. Jesus lay there. For you and for me, exposed, clothes gone, torn, body ripped in two, exposed before the eyes of God. And God turned away because God couldn't look upon sin. Because Jesus was taking your sin and my sin upon himself. So that when we are exposed by God, those who name the name of Christ, when we are exposed by him, Yes, they're the imperfections, but they're all taken up in Christ. Yes, there are shortcomings, but they're all fulfilled in Christ. He has given us a better life than life itself. So that when God looks upon us, he sees Jesus. What is exposed about the people of God is the Savior of the world. He is the one standing in the gap for you and for me. And as he grew in the favor of God and man, And as he began to grow as a man and bring people to the truth of God himself, he said he sanctifies himself by the word of God. He sanctifies himself by the truth. And Jesus is setting us free that we may be sanctified by the truth, cleaned up by God in our every action, in every thought, in our attitude, cleaned up by God In our past life, things that we regret, things that we look and say, I just want to keep that there. Jesus said, no, bring that too. 
I'm not ashamed to call you brother or sister. I want you to be exposed because I want you to know that I have given you the covering. I have died for you and not yourself. So brothers and sisters, bear your soul to God. Come under him. Bear your soul to let the word drive deeply within every fiber of your being. Be exposed by him so that you can be honest with God when you're in your prayer closet. That you can be honest with God in the face of other brothers and sisters who will call you to account in this word. Bear your souls. Have the assurance of his love when he convicts you of sin. Knowing that that's the father's discipline for you. Christ learned the obedience of God through what he suffered. And we are to learn that same obedience as we are convicted, as we go through our own sufferings and trials, so that we would know that God, he's given us the assurance of his love. One author I want to quote here, he talks about how the Holy Spirit is the one that assists us in this. He is the one that guides us into the true. Precisely how the Holy Spirit uses scriptural truth to convert souls and change lives, we cannot say. We don't know how he does it, but we can give testimony that he does. But we must sense the dynamics that give us hope when we preach God's word. The Bible makes it clear that the word is not merely powerful. It is without peer or dependence. Why is this? Because Jesus is the very word of God. God himself has come to us. So after the first Christmas, the word became a being like you and like me. And after Christmas, he began to show us the way to live before God. God's word is not dead, but God, God's word is very much alive and active. When God swears by his word, it will come to fulfillment. It's the best. It's best to put your trust in him. It's best to put your hope in him. It's best not to put God to the test and his intentions for his people. If he promises that he will do something, he will do it. He's not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and then not fulfill? Oh, yes, indeed. When God speaks, things happen. When God promises, things are fulfilled. You are here today because God has fulfilled promises in your life that no one else could fulfill before you. You were hurt by others, but God says, no, I'm going to take you in. And I'm going to lead and guide you with the gentleness and lowliness of heart. So like the people in the wilderness, God will cut us down if we move away from his word. He's serious about this. Any type of disobedience, there will be consequences. God put them to physical death, and he promised that they would not enter into his wrath. But we have a better word from God than they had today. Because we have Jesus Christ who has bound himself to us. He has promised not to leave us nor forsake us. Our thoughts and our intentions, they cannot be hidden from him. And so he comes to us, though. And as he exposes us, he tends to us. Because God is indeed the builder of all things. 
And he is here to build our souls up so that we would be like the, the word of God, the son that he loves, so that we may be the very aroma of Christ. So let's live and be active in this word. Let's be exposed by this word. Let's be compelled to come in love to the feet of Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the life of Christ, the one who is present even with us now by the Spirit. God, you've humbled our hearts this morning. Cause your word to return to you, God, with all fervor, with all love, with all glory that is due your name. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's sing praises unto the Lord. Please stand.
Thank you, Pastor Yancey, for bringing that word. And we're going to now take communion, also called the Eucharist. It's a celebration. It's a time for us to commune with God, to relate with him in a deep and intimate sort of way. Uh, we just heard the word of God preached. Some have called the communion table the visible word, uh, where the bread and the wine preach to our hearts just in a different way. As you eat, as you drink, the same grace is communicated to your soul, where God says to you, do you hear him saying to you, you are 